Lord Jesus and Heavenly Father, thank you oh, so much for the many, many blessings you already piled upon us, and yet we're going to receive more. Be with us now as we get into your word. We thank you oh, so much for the opportunity as we pray in Jesus' precious holy name. Amen. Continuing our Explain the Word series, we'll pick it up in the small epistles of John. Now this is the Apostle John that's credited for writing these, and some very interesting things that he gets into, and some very important subjects that he covers in these short letters, but yet very powerful. Get right into it here in 1 John chapter 1. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life. See, right away, he's letting them know, we are first-hand experience in what we're about to tell you and witnesses of what he's about to say because he was with the Lord through his earthly ministry there and witness of his crucifixion and seen him after he resurrected. He was even the one who had went to the tomb along with Peter and saw that the tomb was empty. Back into it here in chapter 1, verse 2. For the life was manifested, and we have seen it, and bear witness, and show unto you that eternal life, which was with the Father, and was manifested unto us. Speaking of Jesus Christ, revealed, manifested, revealed to them. That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you, that ye also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things write we unto you, that your joy may be full. A very important point. When we know and understand what the Lord has done and what he is doing and what he is going to do, that brings joyfulness to us. This then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. Speaking of the hypocrites, they might claim that they're Christian, but yet they don't live it. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanseth us from all sin. And that's awesome there, that we can get a full and complete cleansing when we trust in the Lord and ask for forgiveness. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So once again, He repeats that, cleanses us from all sin and cleanses us from all unrighteousness. So we can get a full and complete cleaning. And it's important that we realize that, that when you become a born-again Christian, that your past is gone. It's wiped away. It's gone as far as the east is from the west, the Word tells us. And it will not be brought back up against us by the Lord. But that doesn't keep Satan and your enemies and even yourself from bringing it back up. 
We need to know that when we're forgiven, it's gone. And don't let anyone bring it back up against you, including yourself. Admit it and realize that you are fully cleaned. And then you can go on as a new creature in Christ. Verse 10, if we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Right into chapter 2. My little children, these things write I unto you, that ye sin not. So we're given the instructions, we're given the guidelines, we're given the knowledge of knowing what is right and what is wrong so we can properly behave. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. An advocate is a spokesman, it's like an attorney, it's someone standing in on our behalf, appealing our case to the Heavenly Father. When we become born-again Christian, we become part of the family, we're adopted into the family and dwelt with the Holy Ghost, and we have that kind of relationship, that kind of connection, and we need to act like it all the time, behave like it all the time, realize it all the time. But there's times when we might stumble, we might trip up, we might do something we shouldn't have done, because like Paul pointed out, we're dealing with that tug of war between the flesh and the spirit. Sometimes we let the flesh come forward a little bit and we do things or say things that we should not have and then we ask for forgiveness for it. He's going to cleanse us from it. That's what he's talking about there. Back up there in verse 1. My little children, these things write, I unto you that ye sin not, and if any man sin. He's already calling us children. That means part of the family. Speaking to the Christians. And if a Christian does sin, don't just keep it a sin and carry it on and not get forgiveness because come judgment day, then you're going to be held accountable to it. But if you ask for forgiveness for it, then that'll be taken away. It'll be washed away as well because our advocate, Jesus Christ, is there pleading our case. In verse 2, and he is the propitiation for our sins. The propitiation is like the fine. If you commit a crime, if you break an ordinance or a statute and the local legislation of any kind, and then you get a fine for it, you get a speeding ticket or parking ticket, you've got to pay a fine. That payment of that fine is propitiation. So somebody had to pay for that. And here he's recognizing that Jesus Christ paid the fines for everyone. Reads in, He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. So he paid the price for all the sins of all mankind, past, present, and future already. Even before we commit a sin, he's already paid the price for that. That's the horrible, horrible thing that he had to take on on the cross and afterwards. So he paid that horrible price for all of it. That's what gives him the authority and the right to judge us. Because He has bought us back. Therefore, we are under Him, under His rule and reign. Whether we acknowledge it and receive it and accept it or not, He has total control over us and our eternity. Whether He chooses to allow us to go into hell or chooses to take us into heaven to be with Him for eternity is based upon what we have done in accepting what He has done. So when we accept what He has done, 
then we become adopted into the family, we become joined with him and be with him for eternity. If you do not, then he has the right to say, okay, you're not one of mine, you're, I'm going to let you go ahead and go into hell because that's what you chose. And they'll go into the lake of fire for eternity. And also gives him the right to judge people in the way of condemnation to determine whether they're going to receive a reward or certain punishments. There will be different degrees of suffering for the sinners, depending on what they have done, as well as different degrees of rewards for the Christians according to what they have done. Because he says in here over and over, according to their works, their works. The works makes a big difference. Works do not get you saved, but works gain you blessings now and for eternity. You've got to realize that. But Jesus Christ paid the ultimate price for all sin, which gives him authority to judge us from that point forward. And he is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And hereby we do know that we know him if we keep his commandments. When we do have that relationship with the Lord as a joint heir with Jesus Christ, as a family member, recognizing him as Lord and authority over all, then we are going to behave that way. We're going to react that way in, in all the situations. And we're going to keep the commandments. We're going to love Him and we're going to love others. It will be evident in our life, in our behavior, in our attitudes, in our thoughts even. He that saith, I know Him and keepeth not His commandments is a liar and the truth is not in Him. Back where the Lord was teaching us about the fruits, that someone can be judged by their fruits, you'll know them whether they are corrupt or Good by their fruits. And that's what he's speaking of here. That if you see one that who's claiming to be a Christian, but clearly they're a liar and they're not keeping the commandments of love, then it's clear that they are a liar and they're not a born-again Christian. Simple as that. There's a lot of people out there that are like that. There's a lot of people that are within the ministry, sad to say, that are like that, that have gotten into the ministry, whether it's just a, a congregation participant or in the choir or actually preaching or teaching or guiding the youth or whatever aspect you might think of in the ministry, if they enter into that but truly are not saved, they are into it just because they like the recognition for it and in some cases the profit for it and not truly saved, they fall under this category. They're not truly saved. They are a liar. He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoso keepeth his word, in him verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby know we that we are in him. He that saith he abideth in him ought himself also so to walk, even as he walked. Part of the reason he came down to take on flesh, to live among mankind, is to show them the example of a life, a human life that could be lived without sin. Because he lived a sinless life. He gave us the example that it is possible, even with the temptations of the face-to-face -face temptations of Satan, he did not sin. Jesus Christ did not sin through all that in his human form. He proved that we could do the same thing, that we could resist the devil. Because he tells us in his word, resist the devil and he'll flee from us. 
When we become born again Christian, the Holy Ghost comes into us. There's a no vacancy sign hung up, and we don't want to add an addition to our building to allow the devil to move in because there's no vacancy. Leave him out, keep him out, kick him out, and be holy because he is holy. So live like he did. He that saith he abideth in him ought himself also so to walk even as he walked. Brethren, I write no new commandment unto you, but an old commandment which he had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which ye have heard from the beginning. Again, a new commandment I write unto you, which thing is true in him and in you, because the darkness is past and the true light now shineth. He that saith he is in the light and hateth his brother is in darkness even until now. He that loveth his brother abideth in the light, and there is none occasion of stumbling in him. But he that hateth his brother is in darkness, and walketh in darkness, and knoweth not whither he goeth, because that darkness hath blinded his eyes. Now, this isn't talking just about your biological kinfolk. This is talking about anyone else. If you hate anyone else, if you hate them, then you're in violation, then you fall under this category here that you're in darkness. We got to realize that we got to follow those two great commandments, to love God with all existence and to love others as ourselves. Difficult, challenging, yes, especially when you have an enemy that rises up against you. We have the examples of of David and others in here, right in the Psalms and things, praying to the Lord to destroy his enemies. So examples of he clearly didn't love his enemies because he's praying for them to be destroyed. But we are instructed to even love those that are out there, that are our enemies. Because the Lord tells us specifically that in the Gospels, to love our enemies, to do good unto them that persecute us and want to harm us and want to kill us. Hard, yes. Difficult, yes. But as he tells us also to live peaceably, if at all possible, to live peaceably with others. Sometimes the only way to live peaceably with someone is to avoid them, to get away from them, don't associate with them, pray for them, lift them up, give them to the Lord, and back off. Because if a constant connection could lead to conflict. There are complete nations that we should lift up and give to the Lord and say, Lord, you take care of them. We're going to back off and not associate with them, but we're going to pray for them. Not destroy them, not do anything against them, but back off and give them up to the Lord. But here he's speaking specifically of individuals. There's an individual in your life that has irked you in whatever way it is that you get to the point where you're getting some hard feelings toward them. Pray about it. Get forgiveness for having those hard feelings and be forgiven unto them. Even though they might not deserve your forgiveness and want to do harm to you, you still forgive them. If necessary, back off. Leave them alone. Don't associate with them. But still pray for them. Verse 12, I write unto you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. I write unto you, fathers, because ye have known him that is from the beginning. I write unto you, young men, because ye have overcome the wicked one. 
I write unto you, little children, because ye have known the Father. I write, I have written unto you, fathers, because ye have known him that is from the beginning. I have written unto you, young men, because ye are strong, and the word of God abideth in you, and ye have overcome the wicked one. Pointing them out here. Talking to all of y'all, in other words. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. That's one of the big temptations. To love the world. To want to be a part of worldly behavior. To want to be accepted of all people. To want to be in the current events of fashion or behavior or activities. You're in, you're in error if you do such. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. So let's look at these here. Lust of the flesh. That's those desires to please your fleshly urges. Okay, The lust of the eyes. Looking at things you should not be looking at, which trigger those fleshly lusts. And the pride of life. To be so haughty and puffed up and proud of yourself. Gets into a different category here of what you have achieved or what you are doing or what you look like or what you are able to do in your physical activities. This is, falls into category there very much as far as people like to brag about what they have accomplished in the physical world, thinking it is of their own strength, but it is not. We can't even take a single breath without the gift of the Lord giving us that opportunity to take that breath. So always give Him all the honor and all the credit, all the glory for everything that you achieve because it comes from Him. Is not, okay, all these things, this lusts and so forth, this pride is not of the Father, but is of the world. So we've got to get out of all that. That tug of war that Paul talks about, get rid of that flesh side, stay on the spirit side. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. See, that's where we need to focus on the importance. Abiding by the will and the desires of God, not our own. Little children, it is the last time. The last days is what he's talking about here. And talking about the Antichrist that rises up. There is a lot of anti-Christian behavior going on in the world today. On the increase, clearly on the increase. As it reads again, little children, it is the last time. And as ye have heard that Antichrist shall come, even now are there many Antichrists, whereby we know that it is the last time. Now, this was written almost 2,000 years ago. So you think, well, he was speaking about this back then. It had already begun. And we get to wondering, like the writings of Peter that we just recently read, why is the Lord waiting? Why has it taken it so long? Why hasn't He finished things up? In Second Peter chapter 3, verse 9, The Lord is not slack concerning His promises. Some men count slackness, but His long-suffering to us were not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. 
That's why he's still waiting. He's waiting for more to come to him before it's too late for them. But they'll reach a time when that door gets closed and it will be the last day. Not last days, but the last day. And this Antichrist attitude is what he's speaking of here. Not the Antichrist of the tribulation time, but the attitude of anti-Christian, anti-God, anti-Christian of any sort against the Bible, against His Word, against what He has done and what He represents and what He is doing, against the recognition of Jesus Christ as Lord, as God in the flesh. Those anti-Christ attitudes and behaviors are in the, on the increase. The acceptance of other religions, the coexist bunch and, and so forth. Oh, come on in, we all worship the same God, love, 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 and, and nothing about Jesus Christ. That is Antichrist. Little children, it is the last time. And as ye have heard that Antichrist shall come, even now are there many Antichrists, whereby we know that it is the last time. They went out from us, but as they were not of us, for if they had been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us, but they went out that they might be made manifest that they were not all of us. See, people that have come in and did a little research, you might say, a little association with the Christian group, and then branched off and did something else. They were not of us. But ye have an unction from the Holy One, and ye know all things. This unction is a communication from the Holy Ghost. Where he puts Holy One in here. Most of y'all's Bibles will have that capitalized, Holy One. And that's speaking of the Holy Ghost. And He is in us, and He is communicating with us. He is connected to our spirit, and in also connected directly to the Heavenly Father. We need to allow that to continue. We need to listen up to the teachings of the Holy Ghost, because He can tell us all things. That's what He says right here. And you know all things if we listen up to the Holy Ghost. Now you have those out there that have decided to alter this and pervert this into saying that anything that they feel, any desire that they have, anything that they imagine is actually coming from the Holy Ghost. You have people out here that write their entire own religion coming up with their own beliefs of what God is like and pick and choose what they want out of the Bible and say, well, this is what it really means. This is what it should mean because the Holy Ghost told me this. No, their own spirit told them that. Their own imagination, their own lustful desires told them that because it cannot be backed up by the Word of God or directly by the true Holy Ghost. It becomes their own creation. That's why we have so many false religions out there. People that have come up with it, well, the, whatever entity they want to pray to or worship communicated this to me, and this is what it's all about. And they write down and they start their own new religion. I mean, it's over and over. I mean, you look at all the foreign religions that are out there, all the fake religions, all the antichrist religions. That's basically how they started. Some guy's desires and imaginations, and he sits down, well, I'm going to invent my own religion. And he comes up and does that, and then next thing you know, it takes off, and he gets a little group, and then a bigger group, and a bigger group, and then everybody starts to worship the, the false deity. Because all the way back into the idolatry where they carved little sculptures. Like, well, okay, in my imagination, this is what I think our God should look like. And they carve it out and they set it up and say, okay, let's worship that. Their own hands, their own doing. 
I have not written unto you because ye know not the truth, but because ye know it, and that no lie is of the truth. Who is a liar but he that denieth that Jesus is the Christ? He is Antichrist that denieth the Father and the Son. Clear words. You deny the deity of Jesus Christ as who he is, then you are anti-Christ. And you don't know the Father either. Read that again. Who is a liar but he that denieth that Jesus is the Christ, is the Christ. Christ is anointed one, the prophesied one to come and be the ultimate sacrifice for all of us. They deny that, then they are antichrist. This would go out to all those Orthodox Jews that have denied the arrival of Jesus Christ, that are still looking for the Messiah to return. They don't know Jesus Christ. They don't know the Father. Otherwise, they would accept Jesus Christ. That's what he's saying. Who is a liar but he that denieth that Jesus is the Christ? He is Antichrist that denieth the Father and the Son. Whosoever denieth the Son, the same hath not the Father. But he that acknowledgeth the Son hath the Father also. So you acknowledge the existence of Jesus Christ, and you automatically are tied into the Holy Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Let that therefore abide in you, which ye have heard from the beginning. Now that's talking about what you have learned about the gospel, what you have learned that led you to become a born-again Christian, that calling that you received from the Holy Ghost. Let that therefore abide in you, which ye have heard from the beginning. If that which ye have heard from the beginning shall remain in you, ye also shall continue in the Son and in the Father. That constant connection, you'll always have that. And this is the promise that he hath promised us, even eternal life. That is the most awesome of the future things that we have to look forward to. The first awesome thing is to get forgiveness. And then the second awesome thing is that on top of that, He's going to let us live forever with Him. And this is the promise that He hath promised us, even eternal life. These things have I written unto you concerning them that seduce you. And see, he's pointing out these facts, these cautions about the Antichrist and so forth, letting us know that there's going to be those out there that want to pull you away. But the anointing which ye have received of him abideth in you, and ye need not that any man teach you, but as the same anointing teacheth you of all things, and is truth, and is no lie, and even as it hath taught you, ye shall abide in him." This is a profound statement here that a lot of preachers and a lot of missionaries and a lot of teachers like to avoid. Because it says, And ye need not that any man teach you. So you look at that and you're like, Well, why am I sitting here in this class? Don't need you to teach me. You don't have to have it is what he's talking about. Because the Holy Ghost is in you. When I say something that is completely wrong, you that are truly understanding of the word yourself will automatically know. The bing, that's wrong. That's a wrong way to look at that. He's wrong there. That's the Holy Ghost in you teaching you that, hey, something wrong with that preacher. And then you can go 
off on your own. Study it. Find a preacher that is in alignment with the Word of God. The Holy Ghost in there teaching us, letting us know when we hear something that that's not quite right. That come from that fellow's imagination or his own attitude or his own opinion rather than from the Word of God. That is so awesome that we have that within us. The Holy Ghost helping us realize the truth when we hear it. But the anointing which it ye have received of Him, received from God, the anointing, that's indwelling of the Holy Ghost, abideth in you. He's in you. He's guiding you, teaching you. And ye need not that any man teach you, but as the same anointing teacheth you of all things, and is truth, and is no lie. And even as it hath taught you, ye shall abide in Him. Now you've got to be very careful. Because just like I mentioned earlier, you have these people that have this imagination of what the Holy Ghost is telling them and they come up with their own religion and they, they pervert the Word of God and they turn it into a whole different meaning. That's of themselves. That's not of the Holy Ghost. So we've got to know the difference. Who is really taught? Consider the source, as I say so often. Is that coming from my own heart, from my own head? Is that coming from Satan or is that truly coming from God? Can it be backed up? By the Word of God. Can it be backed up by the teaching and preaching of godly people? That's where it's important to come together as a family and to share what the Lord has blessed you with. To share the knowledge and understanding of the Word of God with each other is a blessing that He gives us. that helps reinforce us in knowing that what we are listening to, what we are hearing is truly of God and not of Satan or of some man. Verse 28, And now, little children, abide in Him, that when He shall appear, ye may have confidence, and not be ashamed before Him at His coming. That confidence, that peace that passeth all understanding. I've seen this firsthand in the, the moments before someone passes away that have confidence. They're not worried. They're not crying in fear. They're not cowering. No, they're confident because they got it right. They got it prayed up. And that comes along with that true understanding of your forgiveness and your relationship with God. And now, little children, abide in Him. That's keeping that connection complete all the time that when He shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before Him at His coming. Talking about Judgment Day. Are you dreading Judgment Day? Are you dreading when He returns because you're not ready to go, because you've done something or doing something that you shouldn't be doing? You better get it right. If ye know that He is righteous, ye know that everyone that doeth righteousness is born of Him. Going back to the kind of judgment that we're supposed to do, and that is evaluation of someone. Are they living a righteous life or an unrighteous life? If they're living a righteous life, then we can be assured that they are in relationship with Jesus Christ and our brother and sister in, in Christ. If they are living an unrighteous life, pretending to be righteous in front of others at the pr- appropriate time to do so in their eyes, then we know that they are a hypocrite and the Lord's truly not in them. So those are the ones that we need to pray for and try to get out of that behavior before Judgment Day and then they'll be ashamed come Judgment Day. But be confident, be ready, And be at peace when you've got it prayed up 
and your trust in the Lord. Let's pray. Lord Jesus and Heavenly Father, we thank you oh so much for your word. It's so powerful. Help us realize the importance of digging in there and finding that message so we can properly apply it and know that the true teaching comes directly from you. Thank you oh so much for that as we pray in Jesus' precious holy name. Amen. Thank you all.